Hi everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Frequent Criers Club podcast. My name is Grace, and as always, I am joined by the absolutely stunning Julia. Today, Julia and I have two very special guests joining our conversation, Anjana and McLaren. These amazing women are two of the co-founders of Shed Red, a not-for-profit organization which works to fight period poverty and end the stigma around menstruation. We get into what period poverty is, the issue of period stigma, and some of our own experiences. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, a follow on Spotify, and also be sure to share our podcast with your family and friends because that really helps us out. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. And we're back. So first, I want to let the ladies who are joining us today from Shed Red introduce themselves. We're joined by McLaren and Anjana, two of the co-founders of Shed Red. So ladies, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourselves to get started? First off, thank you so much for having us. My name is Anjana. I'm one of the co-founders of Shed Red. We're super excited to talk everything period poverty related, menstrual equity related, and beyond. Uh, Before that, I will hand it off to McLaren to introduce what Shed Red is all about. Yeah, so my name is McLaren. Shinkari is our third founding member and leader who unfortunately couldn't make it today. The three of us met at Western and we all had different ways of being introduced to the issue of period inequity. Anjana and Shankari had been working towards campus initiatives, and I had been working towards helping homeless women in my hometown. Together, we realized at the beginning of COVID that there's an immense need to help low-income women afford these vital products. This was the beginning of Shed Red. We're now an incorporated not-for-profit organization that works to address the issue of period poverty here in Canada, as well as the stigmatization of menstruation in general. Our organization achieves this through our three key pillars. Our first pillar is inspiring agents of change, where we mobilize students to take action in their communities through our Red Talks initiative, so giving presentations to youth through middle and high schools in provinces across Canada. Our second pillar is empowering communities. Through our Red Drives initiative, we fundraise and conduct donation drives to provide menstrual products to those in need, mainly through homeless shelters and women's shelters. Our third and last pillar is destigmatizing menstruation. We target this through awareness campaigns on social media, as well as our blog, which is our Red Right series. And that's sort of a high-level description about what we do and how we help this important cause. Amazing. You're both so amazing. Okay, so we can get in at the end of this episode to where how people can find you, um, all about your social media and website, but we want to jump right into the discussion and start by asking you, what is period poverty? And specifically, how does it impact people in our communities and beyond? Right. So that's actually a great question. Period poverty is something I didn't know a lot about actually prior to watching. It was a really good documentary. It's on Netflix. Highly recommend it. It's called Period End of Sentence. Um, I think it was released in 2018, essentially. And it was it was following um, the social activist named Arnachala Morgananathan. And he essentially started up low cost, biodegradable pad machines in rural India. And he started talking about period poverty. Um, and that's when I dug deeper to try to understand what that actually meant. And so period poverty is defined as the lack of access to menstrual hygiene products, but it goes beyond that. It's not just the products itself. It's the waste management facilities, the soaps, the dispensers, the places where you can actually wash these items so that you can handle your period with dignity. 
So I think it's a two-part definition when it's in terms of the lack of access to the products itself, but also some of the supporting mechanisms that actually help you use that those products properly. Yeah, and I think something important to note about the term, um, the reason it sounds so severe, like period poverty, um, is because it really does perpetuate sort of that cycle of poverty that we see um, and is kind of is pretty prevalent in Canada, amongst especially amongst homeless women and menstruators in general. Um, and sort of I learned about this topic um, through my youth council when I was in high school and we talked directly to homeless women and homeless people about um, their needs and we found that this was something that came up almost every single time and came up when talking to um, homeless and women shelters because these products are so expensive and so kind of when we're talking about period poverty the reason that it sort of perpetuates this cycle is because when you have access when you don't have access to these products when you're experiencing this type of poverty um, it actually leaks into other areas because it's really hard to go to school um, when you don't have access to these products it's hard to hold a job um, and so you find yourself not being able to be a productive member of society and not be able to earn income as easily as others um, and that kind of perpetuates you know the lack of like financial stability um, and the the hardening of like their financial situations when you can't afford these products um, and that you know that creates further inaccessibility and so that's the sort of cycle that that we're talking about when we talk about period poverty perfect and can i just actually build off that really quickly um so i noticed you both use the term menstruators and i think that might be a little bit beneficial at the beginning of our discussion to break down some key vocabulary that we'll be using going forward and maybe some key vocabulary that a lot of people um, aren't familiar with or don't use. Yeah, that's actually a great question. And as as we kind of grow Shed Red, it's been a learning process for us as well, because at the beginning, we didn't know what was um, the right terms to use. And honestly, I don't think there's consensus on what the right term is to use. If you search it up, there's so much. But I think one thing we were very clear about is that we want to make sure that we're inclusive in the vocabulary we use. And that's why we chose to use menstruators and um, menstrual hygiene products, because the reality is not all women menstruate and not all menstruators are women. And so I think it's really important to kind of set that context as we have these conversations one thing that we've trying to we've been trying to do is dive deep into period poverty through an intersectional lens. And we realize that for a lot of transgender communities, they've long not been included in these conversations. And we want to make sure that they do have that type of representation. And so I think that's why it's important to use the term menstruators. Again, there is a lot of back and forth on whether that's the right term or not. I think one reason it made sense to me is the point about also not all women menstruate. And so to make it seem like just a female issue would be an oversimplification and it would also kind of imply that to be a woman you have to menstruate as if it's directly tied to our identity in somehow which is not something I necessarily agree with so I think that's why the term menstruators is what we chose to go with. Yeah definitely and also um, I think the reason in addition to that um, that we try to avoid the word like feminine hygiene or we tie anything to like a gender specifically um, is because we also want to kind of break down the, you know, the tie between um, some of like the stereotypical negative traits of women sometimes and menstruation. So a lot of times femininity is seen with like fragility and like emotionalness. And that, that's also comes through it a lot of times when um, sort of in like slander about periods um, and how like women are really, you know, sensitive on their period. And so we kind of want to take a step back from like 
this is a feminine issue and so like all these things come with femininity because they don't as as Anjana just mentioned um but also it's you know this isn't this is something that women experience but it's not tied to you know feminine features and so that's that's also something we're trying to cut down So McLaren or Anjana, do either of you want to get into what period stigma is and maybe your own experiences with it as well as what other menstruators face? Yeah, definitely. I think I'll I'll start off. Um, But just a little bit of background. uh, Why this is so important to our organization um, is because the stigma of periods it's, you know, it's obvious here in Canada. Um, I think, you know, within families, a lot of us have experienced um, some sort of stigmatization of what we go through, um, but it's also very evident in society. So in schools, um, you know, there's a classic example of like hiding a tampon under your under your shirt sleeve as you go to the washroom um, or like this hesitancy to ask, you know, fellow girls or, or menstruators um, for products. Um, and it's really well, that's well, that's apparent in Canada and and other um, probably in the U.S. too. Obviously, um, it's it's a pervasive issue that stretches to every country. And although you know it's really significant here in Canada, I think it's a good you know opportunity to talk about what we experience, but then also recognize it in other countries based on you know religious or social factors um, or even like governmental factors. There are huge stigmas that you know are really like kind of difficult to even comprehend as a Canadian. Um, and so I think that's like also very important to keep in mind um, is that for, you know, for other places, it, it's not even just um, a discomfort, but it restricts what you're able to do um, and like who you're able to become. Um, but yeah, if, if we want to talk a little bit about about our experiences, maybe that's a good idea. For sure. I was telling Julia the other day when we were preparing for this episode about something that happened to me when I was in high school. Essentially, a male friend of mine was going through my backpack Mm -hmm. because he was looking for like a pencil or something and he ended up opening the pocket where I kept my tampons and he like pulled one out without like realizing what it was and as soon as he saw what was in his hand he like freaked out and literally chucked it across the classroom and I was just like what is the reason for this it's in a package it's not used it's literally just a tampon in a plastic package so that was just like one of those experiences that I think we can all definitely relate to with you know period stigma being a really big issue and men not really understanding products yeah and it's it's a, it's a luxury product so but he didn't want to touch it it's so so strange that's so true it's like the yeah the just like the thought of it I think freaks a lot of men or non-menstruators out and it really like scares yeah. them um because it, I think where that comes from, and I think this is what we thought a lot about as an organization, is just like a lack of understanding. Like, you know, this is something that's been kept out of a lot of um, health or like sex education classes. Um, And so I think when they don't understand like how much of a natural process it is, and there's a lot of, um, you know, even just like ghost stories or just like myths that surround it um, and that are talked about a lot by like, especially by younger boys, I think it just like stays with them and it, it kind of creates this like, yeah, the stigma, like the surrounding fear of like what it is and what it does. And, you know, they just don't want to know anything about it, um, which I think is like the worst possible outcome. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. And I think the really big issue with that is that these young boys eventually become adult men. And whether they are dating someone who menstruates or they end up being a father to somebody that menstruates, they end up further perpetuating this stigma 
for menstruators in their life because they don't want to talk about it because they've learned that it's something that's gross or unclean and that just adds to the shame that menstruators feel around their periods. And I think one really interesting thing that sort of confirms this is that in those statistics that you shared with us, essentially most women, I think over 70% were saying they felt comfortable talking about their periods with other women, which I definitely agree with. However, they were very uncomfortable talking about their periods with the men in their life. Yeah, and even within the, yeah, I was just gonna say like within the household, like, I'm really lucky because just like a bit about if we want to talk about like, you know, our sort of entry into like understanding ourselves and periods. Um, my family is like super aware and awesome about just like understanding what I was going through. But even then it's, you know, if you mention periods, not even anything descriptive, just at the most high level, you usually be respond, you like usually have a response from a guy of like, ew, like that's just like the, the go-to. Um, and so even that does make you feel a little uncomfortable or like next time you're obviously not going to mention as a girl. And if there's an issue, you don't feel so like as, you know, available to like talk about it. Um, but I was really lucky generally and just like an, an understanding. It more came from me from like school and just those sort of like societal restrictions on like being able to just be open. I, I think like the numbers kind of also tell the story that tell the story of what you guys are sharing. So um, Plan International actually sanctioned a report, a recent report in partnership with Always, which is which is a brand. Um, and they found that 83% of young people, so that's individuals aged 13 to 21, um, they've tried to hide the fact that they're on their period from those around them. And that's really telling because that report is specific to Canada. And I think there's a huge misconception that as North Americans, we're very, you know, progressive. And, and I think that we have made a lot of progress, no doubt about that. But I think there's so much room to continue to grow. And I think Canada especially is so diverse. So I think in different communities, there's different perspectives on period shame and period stigma, which is also really important. But I think at the end of the day, like everyone has had that experience of like shoving their pad up their sleeve, like going to their locker, like looking around once or twice and making sure no one's there and like rushing to like the washroom and coming back. Like, it's just like, why do we have to do that? Like, I think that's like the big takeaway there. And like McLaren said, when people aren't comfortable seeing it, it's those people that are also in positions of power to kind of shift the status quo. But like we're unable to talk about these issues in public, which makes it so hard to confront them um, head on. So I think it kind of contributes to why period poverty is still an issue, because it's just like you don't even want to say that, hey, like I can't afford a pad because pads have long been seen as like a symbol of impurity in a sense. But yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's such a good point. I even. Yeah, like kind of similar to what Grace said before, I know we had a lot of stories at my elementary school and high school of guys seeing period products or coming into contact with a period product accidentally and then they get really um or they would get kind of grossed out and then immediately that makes the menstruator like super embarrassed and i think also we've kind of talked about this in our podcast before but high school and elementary school are such like a microcosm of comparison and like being feeling like you're being constantly ranked and um I think in that environment where it almost feels so intense and that you're like fighting to come off as cool or like attractive in some way, 
that an event like that just makes you feel so shameful about something that's natural, about something that progresses the human race forward, like literally. Um, And I just, I think it's such a good point, kind of how you mentioned that 83% of menstruators have tried to hide that they're on their period because yeah, like even I remember in elementary school, like you'd be terrified to tell the teacher if like you were in gym class and like maybe like you were like pad leaked or something like that. And it was like the end of the world and you weren't comfortable telling anybody. You didn't know what to do. Um, You're so, so embarrassed. And I just think we really need to be doing more, especially at like the elementary school level to make it clear to menstruators that it's not something to be embarrassed about. Like the support is there for them if they need it. Um, especially because so many teachers, not to generalize, but so many teachers are are women and so many teachers are menstruators, so they can like really relate on that level, right? Yeah, definitely. Totally. And I think that one of the biggest stigmas surrounding periods is that all women are irrational and moody and emotional when they're on their periods. So we see a lot of times that men will invalidate the emotions and experiences of women when they're being passionate about something or if they're angry about something. Men will make comments like, oh, she's just on her period or she's just PMSing. And that is just extremely invalidating to these emotions and experiences of of women. And, you know, women are allowed to question you. Women are allowed to be passionate and angry and upset without it being belittled down to the fact that they're on their period. And, you know, some women do experience higher emotions and maybe mood swings on their periods, but many women don't. Many women have period symptoms that you wouldn't be able to see outwardly. So those types of comments really perpetuate the stigma and are really unfair to menstruators. Yeah, that's really, really true. And it's like even in, you know, in media, it's really apparent. And in, you know, TV and movies, that's the thing that is often like quipped. Um but I think, like, I mean, this was really disheartening because, like, a few years ago, um, there was, you know, during, like, the presidential race, there was, like, a comment made about how a reporter was just being moody because she was a girl. Um, and I think that was obviously terrible at the time. But I think what that did was sort of, like, shed a light on how how wrong that was. Um, to actually hear, like, a public figure so apparently say that was actually, like, made people aware of how bad it was, even just on a regular basis. Um, and, like... I think I think a positive too from that is like I don't know about you guys but when I watch TV now um, and maybe you're watching like an old show and someone makes a comment about a period it's like makes you aware how now that would not be acceptable like I I feel really uncomfortable when I watch it and it feels like out of place almost Um, and so I think that's like a good sign in general Mm -hmm. yeah I think that speaks to the importance too of educating individuals who are not menstruators about what it is like to menstruate and the needs of individuals that menstruate because I think the rhetoric surrounding periods can often be really negative and shameful and like as an example um if I'm on my period and say it's the summer I'm on my period I'm like in the car with my boyfriend and I put on the AC and he's like oh it's such a nice day let's roll down the windows but I'm already so hot because I'm having a hot flash and now he wants to roll down the windows but he doesn't He doesn't understand that it's like, he doesn't understand, I guess, like what it's like to menstruate and how it can be uncomfortable sometimes. And um, like, luckily, like I can have that conversation with him and fix that really easily. But a lot of times individuals who menstruate don't feel comfortable having those conversations. Um, So I think that is another like level of education that we need to address is it shouldn't just be something that, you know, 
girls in elementary school are taken away to be educated in sex ed on their periods. Like, everybody should be learning about menstruation and, like, the needs of menstruators. Yeah, no, that's such a great point, because I remember, like, I don't know if it was middle school or high school, feels forever now, but it's, like, when, when they have these conversations, it's always, like, let's do it with just the girls, and I swear, like, the guys are out, like, playing flag football or, like, something totally <laughs> random, and it's, like, the disparity starts there, right? And I think, like, the thing you talked about, like, just surrounding like teasing and stuff like that when you're on your period like I think that it's not actually malintentioned it's honestly just like a lack of education and that's why Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. educating men about and non-menstruated men about like that experience is really important I remember watching like a YouTube video I don't remember if it was the Try Guys um from BuzzFeed or a while (laughs) back but it was um like there's like this device that you can hook up to kind of um simulate like what cramps feel like and like these people I think I watched that too yeah and like that's when people understood like imagine going through this like every single month and obviously like some you know some people have it better than others like there's huge variance for sure but it's like I feel like once you have that experience and once you have that understanding then it's easier to relate but to have that experience like you need to be open to those conversations and willing to have those conversations yeah totally and I think some menstruators really do experience debilitating symptoms when they're on their period not all menstruators but definitely some and that's why I think education is so important on on how intense these symptoms can be just so that male colleagues male bosses and especially male teachers can be understanding of this and realize that you know some menstruators will need to take time off Mm -hmm. yeah I think another really interesting point just to jump back, like Anjana mentioned earlier, that there's this like this micro stigma almost about like how you address your period and how like pads, I feel like, have built up the stigma around like their use just because they're one of the less like I feel like with within addressing your period is like promoted that you should address it like the most invisible way possible and like tampons are the least visible way of addressing your period and so that's often like oh girls use tampons like this is what you should use like if you have a significant other you should use tampons but it's like that's not always the case right like pads and like diva cups um there's a really like strong stigma around it because like the thought of like seeing blood is almost uncomfortable um and i think it's like to point out a really obvious fact it's like this is this impacts almost 50 percent of the population um give or take and so it's like that's literally half of the world that's going through this and it's like we can't even see the sight of it and that makes us uncomfortable um so i thought that was a really interesting point i also like that you brought up um kind of guess the variability of whether you use pads or tampons or diva cups because i've heard a lot of women or a lot of individuals who I guess would consider themselves environmentalists almost shame menstruators for using disposable menstrual products like oftentimes you know menstruators are encouraged to use like the diva cup or whatever reusable period collecting product that they can use but that's not really first of all not accessible to all women it's also not comfortable to all women not feasible to all women so or sorry to all menstruators so I think it's super yeah I think again like just going back and forth, like, I think it is super important to understand that that is another level of shame. And if you are a menstruator and you're shaming other menstruators, or even if you're not a menstruator, you're shaming menstruators for using the products of their choice, I think it's extremely inconsiderate because menstruation can be an extremely uncomfortable process. Like, like we've talked about with all the negative symptoms some individuals go through. Um, 
so I, yeah, I just really like that you brought that up that really there is that variability and that there's nothing wrong with the whatever product like said individual selects exactly yeah and I don't know if it was I don't know if this is just me but I never even had like education in terms of just the scope of products available I literally did not nope did not even know diva diva cups were like a thing until like grade 11 12 when I actually was on a summer camp and one of my roommates used a diva cup and she told me about it and I think it's important to choose what's comfortable like for you and I totally agree with that point I remember like going on vacation and obviously when you get your period you can't go in the pool and so I was talking to one of my cousins and she was like yeah just like stick a tampon whatever like you know just like we want to have fun like blah 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 like let's just do it but like that was just something I was not comfortable with at the time and I was like totally willing to just like lay by like lay by the pool without actually getting into the water and I think it's like there shouldn't be judgment also about like what decisions you choose to make because like everyone's like learning like you know what I mean like there's no like handbook to go like okay in this situation use this product xyz like it's such an evolving process yeah yeah definitely and I think you brought up such an amazing point that a lot of young women are unsure of how to use these products Mm -hmm. and you know, I was a competitive swimmer for about 10 years and I basically obviously needed to use tampons when I was in the water, but that was a really scary thought for me because I was never taught in sex education how to use a tampon. And I really think that that's something that should be included in in sex education is the different products available and how to use them and, and how to find what works best for you as well. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel like that's such such an important aspect of like growing up and like in a lot of like mentors lives, it's kind of like a pivotal moment, right? Um, Because it's seen as like womanhood, which I mean, that's up for debate, obviously, as well. And I think that's ridiculous. Um, But but it is like this point. And it's like, that's just completely ignored. And like, I think, yeah, we leave it up to like, our cousins or our friends or like our moms, if we're lucky to kind of teach us like how to do that. Yeah. And also, it's a very intimate and maybe embarrassing to some people experience to put a tampon in for the first time like to anybody yeah anybody listening who has never used a tampon like they can be kind of hard to figure out at the beginning it's definitely a learning curve and like then you have the issue of okay now I have I inserted the tampon but is what's going to happen with the tampon is it going to stay in like when you're first learning there's just (laughs) all that anxiety surrounding like how do I do this and how do I make sure that it's I'm discreet and I'm doing this with dignity and I know like that was a big source of anxiety for me when I was young. Yeah, no, totally. And when I when I was learning, I literally went to like a WikiHow article and I was like, how do you do this? <laughs> yeah. And they were like, get a mirror, follow the instructions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched a YouTube video. Shout out, well, I think her name is Wiley. Yes. Wiley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out, shout out Okay, so that was a great discussion. Now we're going to wrap up the episode. We are going to talk about some of the resources that we reference, some of the resources we recommend, and also where you can find the lovely Shed Red. So do you guys want to get started and tell us where we can find Shed Red and maybe if there's any initiatives you guys have coming up or even like positions that you need filled? Yeah, so you can find us at www.shedred.ca. 
But I think what's more engaging is our Instagram at shedred.movement. Um, and we have a bunch of very like thought-provoking campaigns. We had um, we had reposted, we had actually launched a huge initiative on Menstrual Hygiene Day, actually a card game for high school students, asking them prompting questions to share their experiences about menstrual hygiene. Um, but through that, I think our main goal is for you guys to learn and understand a little bit, a bit more about period poverty and what can be done. As well, if you are an educator or you are a student and you'd be interested in having one of our virtual webinars, so far we've done it at a few schools in both BC and Ontario, but we'd love to kind of host more of those as well. So don't hesitate to reach out to us at contact at shedred.org. We're always looking for more schools and more people to meet. Um, in addition as well, maybe McLaren, you can talk about our new period pantry initiative and how you can get involved with that. Yeah, so in the coming months, um, as COVID dies down, we're going to be ramping up our fundraisers and our drives to work on that like accessibility piece that we talked about. Um, and one of those is in the London community in the fall, we'll be establishing a period pantry. Um, and so the idea behind that is it's a sustainable way um, for people in need to grab products at any given time. Um, and so if you take products, hopefully in the future at some point, or other community members can leave them for those in need. Um, and so that's something we'll be, look we'll be having in the fall. So yeah, look out for that. In London. That is such an amazing initiative and I'm so excited to see that pop up in London. And one of the resources that I wanted to recommend was the documentary Period End of Sentence. Anjana, you mentioned it earlier and honestly it's a fantastic, fantastic documentary. One of the biggest takeaways for me was the empowerment that the women in the documentary got from having access to period products that were hygienic and that was something that was really great to see and I think the the documentary does a great job of, of displaying how empowering it can be for women to have access to proper menstrual hygiene products. Yeah I think another great thing to look out for when you're watching the film, hopefully you do, is that it kind of sheds a light especially towards the beginning about how inaccessibility is actually so um, standard in some other countries whereas here in Canada you can go to like your local store and grab products that's like not the case for many countries around the world um, and I think they do a great light great job at sort of spotlighting that mm -hmm. yeah and in light of shame another thing that I really liked about the documentary was at the beginning they were interviewing a lot of individuals and they were asking them I guess about menstruation and their experiences with it or their familiarity with it and there's one scene where the interviewer is talking to four men and asks what they know about menstruation. And they say like, oh, it's a kind of a type of illness. And I think that kind of speaks to, I mean, I guess like the, um, yeah, how there's a lot of like discretion around periods. It's not really something that people discuss with their families um, and like so many countries around the world. So that documentary is such a good watch. It's 26 minutes. It's on Netflix. It's on YouTube. We'll link that and all the other resources we've recommended in the description of this episode. But yeah, every week Grace and I do a Try Something New. And this week, the Try Something New is watch that documentary. It's amazing. It's again, like I said, 26 minutes. It's super enjoyable to watch, super well done, super empowering. Um, so give that a watch and check out all the resources that they recommend there as well. So we are done this first episode. This is the first in a two-part series we're doing with Shed Red. So please keep an eye out for the second episode coming out next Sunday, where we talk about inaccessibility and a little bit more on period poverty and what you guys can do to help. So we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Mm -hmm.